I'm just a rock chick. I would describe my music and my sound as Emily. The best damn thing. <laughs> Happy New Year and welcome back to the first episode of 2022 of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast, a facts and trivia-based podcast about Canadian pop singer Avril Lavigne. I'm your host, Andrea DeFrancesco. So I know it's been quite a while since our last episode. It's probably been a little over a month at this point, but I wanted to take some time to work on some other projects and take a bit of a break from the podcast, kind of recharge and all of that. And of course, since that time, we've gotten tons of new content from Avril. So in this bonus edition of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast, we'll review everything that's happened with Avril since our last episode. From a new single to the official album announcement, a surprise performance, new interviews, and so much more. There's so much to discuss, so let's get into it. So we last left off with Avril's performance on New Year's Eve for Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve, where she performed Bite Me and Skater Boy with Travis Barker. And then on January 6th, 2022, Avril appeared on Instagram Live with the radio station 97X on air, where she revealed that the album would be out at the end of February. That same day, she also did an interview with Alt 105.1, where she revealed she would be touring in the U.S. in the summer and that she was working on a Christmas album. Additionally, Amazon France posted preliminary information about the album, including the title, release date, and track list, which was later confirmed when it was posted a few days later on Avril's official website. The only thing it did not reveal was the album cover. Instead, the site used a promo picture from the Bite Me single, which showed Avril on the set of the video with her back to the camera wearing a motorcycle jacket. On January 11th, Avril appeared on the cover of Harper's Bazaar Vietnam, where she revealed that the album was initially classic rock-inspired before she took it in a pop-punk direction. The same day, she also revealed that she would be releasing a new single later that week, but did not reveal the title. She posted an Instagram story with the lyrics, I'm a lush and I'm drunk again off another crush. She tagged the artist Black Bear, making fans believe the new single would be their collaboration, Love It When You Hate Me. On this same day, a demo recording of Lights Out from the Head Above Water sessions was leaked, sung by Cara Fay, though some fans have debated the song already existed online for several years. Some fans believe Avril only covered the song, while others believe she bought the track and changed some lyrics. A longer snippet of Avril's version leaked a few days later, and the full song leaked on January 22nd. A snippet of another song called Half, also called Half Full, was also leaked. According to the seller, the track was recorded around 2009 or 2010. The song leaked in full on January 22nd. On the same day, another song leaked called Let's Get Weird. There is some debate about whether the song is from the Avril Lavigne sessions or the Head Above Water sessions. In a future episode, we'll talk more about these three leaked songs. On January 12th, Avril confirmed on Instagram that she would be releasing Love It When You Hate Me featuring Black Bear as the second single on January 14th. She also posted a short snippet of the track on her Instagram stories along with a link to pre-save the album on Spotify and Apple Music. The same day, the album cover was leaked online, showing Avril sitting on the floor in a red room holding black balloons and wearing an all-black outfit with thigh-high boots. Previous claims from industry insiders said the album was called Bite Me and that the balloon spelled out the title. However, the cover instead showed the title as Love Sucks, written in a vintage punk-style font inside a heart with Avril's name. Avril officially announced the album on social media the following day on January 13th. The album is called Love Sucks and will be released on February 25th, 2022. The album will contain 12 tracks, including three collaborations. The tracklist is Cannonball, Boys Lie featuring Machine Gun Kelly, Bite Me, Love It When You Hate Me featuring Black Bear, Love Sucks, Kiss Me Like the World Is Ending, Avalanche, Deja Vu, F.U., All I Wanted featuring Mark Hoppus, Dare to Love Me, and Break of a Heartache. The song links were revealed via Apple Music New Zealand, which showed Avalanche as the longest song on the album at 3 minutes and 39 seconds, while the shortest song is the closing track, Break of a Heartache, at 1 minute and 51 seconds. On January 14th, Avril officially released Love It When You Hate Me featuring Black Bear as the second single from Love Sucks, along with a lyric video on YouTube. 
Additionally, the album pre-order was launched on her official website featuring autographed CDs, bundles with a Love Sucks t-shirt or sweatshirt, and two different colored cassettes, one in red and an exclusive one in orange. The European and UK stores offered a signed artwork card instead of a signed CD booklet, as well as a third cassette in black and red. The same day, Avril also called into the Elvis Duran show for a phone interview where she revealed she was in band rehearsals for the upcoming European tour and shooting more music videos. On her studio sessions with Black Bear and Mark Hoppus, she revealed that she has never met Black Bear and that her session with Mark Hoppus was conducted via Zoom. She also uploaded another TikTok video where she encouraged fans to do the Love It When You Hate Me dance challenge and announced she would be choosing her favorite by the end of the week. The clip gained over 3 million views in 24 hours. It also showed Avril's new orange hair streaks. Additionally, she launched a subscription-based mobile app called the Love Sucks Club, which features exclusive content and early access to ticket sales. Love It When You Hate Me debuted at number 96 on Spotify's top global songs chart, with over 1 million streams on its first day, making it Avril's biggest debut on the chart. On this same day, an episode of the Spanish TV show Tucara Mi Suena, Your Face Sounds Familiar, aired, featuring comedian and actress Eva Soriano, imitating Avril's performance of Skater Boy from the Brit Awards in 2003. On January 15th, Avril performed as a surprise guest in the lineup for iHeartRadio's Alter Ego 2022 event. The setlist included Girlfriend, Bite Me, My Happy Ending, and Skater Boy, and she wore a custom plaid skirt designed by Michael Ashton. On January 18th, Avril did a cover story for Galore magazine where she discussed her feelings on social media, the toxic media culture of her early career, the infamous Melissa conspiracy theory, and working with Mark Hoppus on Love Sucks. The same day, she was also revealed to be part of the lineup for the festival When We Were Young in Las Vegas, scheduled for October 2022. Other acts include Paramore, Taking Back Sunday, Jimmy Eat World, My Chemical Romance, A Day to Remember, The Used, A Fire Inside, Alkaline Trio, Dashboard Confessional, Pierce the Veil, Boys Like Girls, Bring Me the Horizon, and more. The same day, she also appeared on Mark Hoppus's radio show After School Radio on Apple Music, where she chose her favorite songs to play and discussed her new album as well as plans for the upcoming year. She also revealed that she has been in meetings with different production companies for the Skater Boy movie and that they will then hire a director and write the script to begin filming. On January 19th, Avril did interviews with 92.9 The Beat and Q99.7 The Cookout. The same day, it was revealed that she will be a guest on The Kelly Clarkson Show on February 1st. On January 20th, she did an interview with 93.3 Alt-AZ, where she revealed the concept for the Bite Me acoustic music video was created by Modson, and that Love Sucks was one of the first songs written for the album. On January 21st, Avril tweeted that she will be part of the lineup for the Boston Calling Music Festival scheduled for May 27th. On January 23rd, Avril did an interview with Australian outlet The Project, and on January 24th, she posted photos from the March cover issue of Inked Magazine, where she discussed her tattoos. And Love It When You Hate Me was sent to pop radio on January 25th and is scheduled to impact hot adult contemporary on February 7th. So that brings us up to date with Avril's latest activities and music news as of the time that I am recording this. Once Love Sucks is officially out, I'll do a whole episode on it just like we did with Avril's other albums, but for now, here's some fast facts about the album. Love Sucks is Avril's seventh studio album and it will be released on February 25th, 2022 from DTA Records, an independent label owned by Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker, launched in 2019 as a joint venture with Elektra Records owned by Warner Music Group. This will be Avril's first studio album released under DTA Records. The standard edition of the album contains 12 tracks and runs at 33 minutes and 29 seconds, her shortest album to date in terms of running time. It's not currently known if there will be a deluxe edition. Break of a Heartache is one of Avril's shortest songs to date besides the intro song Black Star from Goodbye Lullaby. The font for the album is a custom-made font called Avril Spray Paint. 
Love Sucks is her third album to bear the parental advisory label following The Best Damn Thing and Avril Lavigne. It is also her third album to include collaborations after Avril Lavigne, which contained two features, and Head Above Water, which had one. Love Sucks has the most features with a total of three. It is also her second album with Travis Barker. They previously worked together on The Best Damn Thing in 2007. It is also her fourth album to contain a title track, not including Let Go, after The Best Damn Thing, Goodbye Lullaby, and Head Above Water. And this is also her fourth album to contain self-written songs following Goodbye Lullaby, Avril Lavigne, and Head Above Water. Love Sucks contains two self-written tracks, Dare to Love Me and Break of a Heartache. And now let's talk about some fan theories. So there's a few fan theories going around out there since all this information's come out. So when everyone saw the album cover where Avril's holding the black balloons, some fans think that the balloons, like when you see the shadow behind her, it looks like a couple kissing. And I do think that there is some merit to this theory. I don't think it's an accident. You can see there's the what the album cover looks like and the balloons are kind of cut off a little bit on the top and it's a more zoomed in picture. And then there's like an alternate version of that photo that shows it from a more zoomed out angle and you can see the shadow like in full. And it definitely looks to me also like it's a couple kissing. And I definitely think that this was intentional. I don't think that it's just like a weird shadow or like some weird coincidence because the whole concept of the album is that love sucks, but the shadow of like the, these people kissing, I think is supposed to kind of symbolize that like Avril is still hopeful to find love or something. There's also a fan theory that she will dye her hair a different color for each single. So of course she dyed her hair like this red hot pink for Bite Me and now she dyed it orange for Love It When You Hate Me. So there's a theory that like a long time ago, Avril had described the album as being like a rainbow. And of course, there were those pictures from very early in 2021 where she had like rainbow hair streaks. And now obviously she's been dyeing her hair different colors for each single. So people think that it's possible she's kind of going in order of the rainbow and the next color after orange, I think would actually be yellow. But I guess because her hair is already blonde, yellow wouldn't really make sense. So some people think she might just go right to green for the next color. And people are theorizing that Boy's Lie featuring Machine Gun Kelly might be the single after Love It When You Hate Me, or at least will be a single at some point. And so some people think that Green is going to be the next single for Boy's Lie. And then lastly, I have my own personal theory. I don't know if anyone else has thought of this theory, but it's something that I thought about is that I think that she's being very intentional with the colors that she's choosing for her hair. I know that some people, like I said, think that she's just going in order of the rainbow, but I also think that the colors themselves like symbolize the song. So for example, I think that she chose red or like hot pink for Bite Me because Bite Me is a really angry song. Red is a really intense, angry kind of color. And then she decided to go for orange for Love It When You Hate Me because orange is a combination of red and yellow. And I think that that symbolizes how Red is taking the anger from Bite Me. But the song Love It When You Hate Me is still kind of like a happy, upbeat song and not as angry as Bite Me is. It's kind of like, even though it's like, I am angry at this person, but at the same time, I kind of love it when we have this like toxic thing going on. So to me, it's like taking the red anger parts from Bite Me, but the happy yellow elements feeling from being in love from love it when you hate me so that's to me I think why she chose orange because it's a combination of like the anger and the happiness again I don't know if there's any merit to that theory it could just be a coincidence it could just be she's doing a color that she wants to do or she is going in order of the rainbow 
I don't think she's quite, you know, Taylor Swift level when it comes to like Easter eggs and that sort of thing. But I think it's just a fun thing to think about. And it was something that occurred to me as I was listening to Love It When You Hate Me. And I saw like she had the orange hair. I'm like, orange is a color she's never done before. She's dyed her hair lots of colors over the years. She has done hot pink, black. She's done purple, blue, but she's never done orange. So it's just like kind of an unusual thing to see from her. And I was kind of just thinking about it as I was listening to the song. I'm like, I feel like this song blends the elements of anger and happy and orange is like a combination of red and yellow. So it just really made sense to me. So we'll kind of just have to see, I guess, as the era goes on, if she actually does decide to change her hair color with every single and if the colors that she chooses seem to line up with the type of song that it's for. But it's just, again, just a really fun thing to think about, I think. So speaking of Love It When You Hate Me, now I'll discuss my reactions on that new single as well as my thoughts on the Love Sucks album cover and the title and the track list and all that good stuff. First, I'll react to Love It When You Hate Me, the single. When I first heard it, like when I first heard the snippet, I was a little concerned about it because to me it sounded very pop, like a lot more pop than what she had described the album being like. And I don't have a problem with pop music, but just because she described the album as being alternative and live guitars and drums and all this and then the snippet that she posted was quite pop sounding like the drum doesn't sound like live drums to me and it's very like rhythmic more rhythmic than I was expecting it to be and I was just a little bit like oh I don't know about this one and I will say it took me a few listens to really get on board with this song like once once the full thing came out I had to listen to it quite a few times I think to really get on board with it I will say that I think the most common maybe like complaint or criticism that I've seen about it is that it's way too short and I will agree with that I think that you know that's the trend these days is that songs are really short, especially in pop punk music. That's just kind of the way that the format has always been. And I've also seen some claims online about John Feldman, who produced most of this album, like pretty much every song I think he produced. Something about John Feldman, I guess, as a producer is that he does not like to produce songs longer than three minutes, I guess, for like his own attention span. So that could be part of it, too. Bite Me is also quite short, but it feels like a complete song because it has a bridge and everything. Like, I don't mind songs being short. I actually prefer it when songs aren't overly long just because I don't have the greatest attention span either. But I think it's about not necessarily about what length the song is, but I think it's about does the song feel complete? Does it feel like the song has kind of fully reached its storytelling and it feels like there isn't something missing by the end of it? So to me, Bite Me feels like a complete song, despite the fact that it is pretty short, because we do get a bridge and like a final chorus and all that, whereas Love It When You Hate Me doesn't really have a bridge. And that's one of the things that Avril is also most known for is her bridges. And the fact that this song doesn't have it, I think is why it feels a little bit lacking to some people. And as far as like the Black Bear part of the collaboration, I think a lot of people were not sure about Black Bear. Like some people have never heard his music. I've never heard his music other than the collaboration that he did with Mod Song called Heavy for his album, which I really, really like. But other than that, I've never heard Black Bear. I'm not ultra familiar with his music. So I think some people were a little concerned, like, oh, how's he going to fit in with this? I actually think his verse is really good. I think his lyrics are good. I liked his collaboration on Heavy and I liked his lyrics there. So I think that is pretty consistent with what I was kind of expecting from him. I think that it made sense to have a feature on this song. I know some people are kind of like, why is Avril doing so many features for this album? But I think it made sense for this song because I think it was necessary to have that male perspective come in. So I really like that aspect of it. Here's kind of what I think or how I feel about the song. The verses, I think, could have been a little bit stronger melodically, maybe. And I think 
lyrically Avril's verse maybe doesn't give us enough detail about why does she why is she having these problems with this guy or why does she love it when they get into an argument I feel like Blackberry's verse kind of explains the dynamic of the relationship a lot better. Avril's lyrics have always been kind of simple and vague and generic because I think she does that on purpose to kind of make it relatable for people. But sometimes it's so vague that it doesn't really give us the full picture of what it is she's trying to convey. So I do think in terms of lyrics, her verse could have been a little bit stronger. I think melodically the verses could have been a little bit stronger, but I think Blackberry's verse is good. The pre-chorus is kind of like, okay, it's leading up to something and then the rhythm changes and it has this kind of like different structure to it. She did mention in an interview that the way that they approached the song in terms of the writing and the structure and all that was different. And then it gets to the chorus, which I think the chorus is the best part. I think it's one of the catchiest choruses that she's ever come up with. And she's definitely come up with her share of strong choruses over the years. But I think this is one of the most infectious choruses that she's come up with, like right up there with Girlfriend and some of her other like pop singles. It's really catchy, gets stuck in your head really easily. I also like the fact that she came up with a TikTok trend for this because I think that she could be using TikTok a lot more to make songs go viral and stuff. So I think this was a really smart idea on their part to kind of come up with a little dance for it. And I think it's just kind of like a cute song. And this one, I think it didn't impact me quite as much as Bite Me did. Like the first time I heard Bite Me, immediately I was like really impressed by it. It was like definitely exceeded my expectations and the instrumentation, the production, all that was like just really hits you when you first hear it. Whereas I think Love It When You Hate Me and I don't think this is an unpopular opinion. I've seen this from a lot of people when they first heard Love It When You Hate Me, they thought like it it wasn't quite as impactful as Bite Me on the first listen. It kind of needs a few listens. I think this one is kind of more of a grower. Do I think it was a good choice as a second single? I guess, but I mean, we haven't heard the rest of the album. So I think only when we hear the rest of the songs will we know, like, was this a good choice as a follow-up single to Bite Me? I was honestly expecting her to put out Boys Live featuring Machine Gun Kelly as the second single because she's been talking about it a lot and she's sort of hinted at it being a single at some point. But I think that one might come later, I guess. It's still kind of unclear if this is like a promo single or is it a proper radio single. I have seen that it's going to have an impact date on radio. So I guess it's going to be a proper single, but there hasn't been like a music video yet or anything like that like that at the time that I'm recording this. So I would say overall, I think that Bite Me is the stronger of the two songs that we've heard so far. But I do think this one, the way that I've kind of been thinking about it is that I think Bite Me has better verses and an overall better structure because it does have that bridge. But I think that Love It When You Hate Me has a better chorus. So then my general thoughts on the album title and the cover and all that. So Love Sucks is the name of the album. There were initially a couple of rumors about what the album title was going to be. A little bit before the album information came out, there were like these industry insiders that had seen the album cover and they said that the album was going to be called Bite Me, but maybe they changed it at the last minute or something. Avril had said in an interview that she was kind of going back and forth between a couple of different titles. So it's possible that Bite Me was, you know, a contender for a title and then they decided to change it. A long while back, fans also thought that the album was going to be called MFP. So I will say, I think that Love Sucks, it's spelled L-O-V-E-S-U-X. I think that Love Sucks as a title is, I prefer that to Bite Me. I didn't think that Bite Me made any sense as an album title. It just didn't sound like an album title to me. I think that I would have preferred MFP as a title or maybe something else. Like there's a few other like title tracks on the album that I think would have made better titles. So Love Sucks to me is just a little bit generic kind of. I don't know if it really like stands out 
and the like sux spelling some people say that they think it's a little like on the juvenile side kind of it does seem like something that like a middle school girl would kind of write on her notebook or something i don't know but i also think that it encompasses what the album is about like what avril has said about it so far is that she went into making this album being so over love and relationships and feeling like genuinely love sucks so i can kind of understand that and you know i think that it kind of makes sense with the whole like pop punk theme and stuff I think it's not her best title. I don't think it's her worst title, but I don't think, you know, I just think there could have been like better titles, I guess. So I'm just kind of like, eh, on the title. In terms of the cover, when I first saw it, I was surprised by it. It was maybe exceeding what I thought, you know, my expectations were going to be for the cover. I think there's kind of a lot to process with it because of like the balloons and the shadow and all that. Like some people are really analyzing the cover and, you know, analyzing like why is she sitting, basically doing the splits, like why is she sitting on the floor? Why is she holding the balloons? What do the balloons mean? Why are they black? Why is the album cover red? People are getting like really into their theories with the album cover. And I think that's really interesting. So I suppose there could be, you know, symbolism behind a lot of the choices that they made. The red and black, I think, makes sense because that's always been kind of like Avril's signature color scheme. Definitely very like emo, reminiscent of that kind of era of music. Some people think that the balloons symbolize kind of like letting go of relationships or like still holding on to them like that hope. And as we mentioned with the the shadow that looks like a couple kissing and all of that, I definitely don't think it's her worst album cover. Like for me, the worst album cover will always be the self-titled album. Like, I just hate that picture so much. It's really, like, creepy and not very flattering and way too, like, overexposed and everything. So I think in terms of, like, photography, I think it's well shot. And I think it's interesting that she went for a concept because as some people kind of talked about once the cover was revealed, people were talking about the other covers that she's done. How does it rank amongst those other covers? And I do think that it's one of her more interesting covers for sure. Like, it's definitely one that stands out, especially because of that red. Somebody had, like, put all of her album covers together and this one definitely stands out amongst the other ones and she's never really gone for concepts for her album covers I think she started experimenting with that more around the goodbye lullaby era and then with head above water they kind of tried to go for a concept there but I think a lot of people don't like the photography and the editing with that cover so this one I think is definitely a step up from the last couple of album covers in terms of like the creativity with the concept and the photography and the editing and all that is definitely a step above like the last couple for me I think goodbye lullaby will always be my favorite album cover I like the sort of like nature concept and how she's like posed on top of a piano and stuff for me that I think that's just always going to be my personal favorite but I think that you know I'd probably rank love sucks somewhere in the middle like I don't think it's her best cover but I don't think it's her absolute worst like far from being the absolute worst like I said, I like that they went with something different than what she normally does this time and that they kind of tried to elevate it and raise the bar a little bit this time. So in terms of the track list, we're only going to get 12 tracks. And like I said, the lengths were revealed via Apple Music New Zealand. And with those 12 tracks, it comes out to a little over 33 minutes. So some people are complaining that the album is really short. But I think that, you know, given how short pop punk songs are and songs in general are these days, it was kind of not unexpected that it was going to be a pretty short album to me 33 minutes is okay 
I do think that considering how many songs she said they wrote for the album, they wrote like 30 songs and only a dozen make the cut. I definitely think and hope we're going to get a deluxe edition at some point. I think the deluxe edition is going to come maybe a few months after the initial album to kind of like rack up sales again and add value to the album because it's hard to sell albums these days. And I think that it's more becoming more common these days for artists to release a deluxe edition a few months later so that they can kind of give the album a second life and people are basically forced to kind of stream the album twice or buy another copy to hear the extra songs. So I really think that we're going to get a proper deluxe edition from her this time, like not just including the acoustic version of Bite Me, but also, you know, a few other songs that didn't make the cut. Like I'm hoping maybe, maybe we get like six bonus tracks where it's like three acoustic versions of songs and then three new songs or something like that. That is a little bit disappointing that we could have maybe gotten maybe something more like 15 songs instead of only 12, especially because I know some people are disappointed that the last track, Break of a Heartache, is less than two minutes long. But I also think that length doesn't determine quality. I know some people like to feel like they're kind of getting their, not like getting their money's worth out of it, but sort of that concept, that line of thinking. Like if we waited so long for this album or like we're going to spend money on it, we're going to spend time listening to it. It needs to feel like a complete album. It needs to feel like we really got something out of it. So I kind of do understand that school of thought. But to me, like I said, I don't have the greatest attention span when it comes to music and stuff anyway. So for me, it doesn't really bother me that it's only 33 minutes. And, you know, I think we just kind of have to wait and see how do these songs pan out. If they're mostly lacking bridges and they're like really, really short and they just don't feel like they've breached completion, then I will agree there that like, uh, yeah, this could have been longer. This could have felt more like a complete record kind of. But we'll just kind of have to wait and see, you know, how it sounds when we hear the full album. So I don't mind the track list, but I do agree we probably could have gotten a few more songs. But I honestly really think that we are going to get a deluxe edition at some point with more tracks. So that brings me to my next point, which is that the day that the album was announced, they put up a bunch of stuff on Avril's website, a bunch of like merch and stuff that you could order. They haven't put the album on vinyl yet, but I think that's because the factories are kind of backed up with like other artists putting out vinyls and stuff. So I do think at some point they'll probably release vinyls because they have released vinyls of her other albums. So I'd be really surprised if they didn't do vinyls for this album. But they did put out cassettes, which I was really surprised about because I don't think she's put out cassettes in a really long time. And I think it's cool that there was like a couple, there's like a few different designs that you can get with different colors. But the main thing that she put out was autographed CDs, at least for the US store, they had autographed CDs. And then for overseas, they had autographed cards instead of the actual CD booklet. And the autographed copies of the album sold out really, really fast. Like I think it was within an hour or two. And they only released like 2000 copies, I think, but they sold out really, really fast. I saw somebody post a link to her merch site within like the first 30 minutes of it going up. I was really surprised that they were even offering autographed albums because she's never done that before. And I was like, I better get on this and order this right now or else it's going to sell out. Like if I wait, it's going to sell out. And I'm really glad that I did. I managed to get one copy of the autographed album. I almost thought about ordering a second one and that maybe I would do like a giveaway or something on my podcast page, but I was like, "Eh, I don't know. So I just decided to do the one copy. So I'm really happy that I was able to get an autographed copy because I know so many people wanted to get one and they sold out really quickly. And 
I hope that they will put out more autographed copies because there's so many fans who want one. And honestly, releasing only 2000 is not nearly enough for the demand that there is for it. And there's a lot of like scalpers putting them up for like absurd prices on eBay and stuff. And it's really a shame when there's like genuine fans who want the album. I don't know if they're going to put out more autographed copies. She would kind of have to do them in batches, I guess. I just know that like there's so many people who wanted one that weren't able to get one. So I feel really fortunate that I was able to get even just one copy. And I'm really happy to have it because I don't have any autographed Avril albums in my collection. So I'm really happy to finally have one. And like I said, I wasn't expecting her to release autographed copies at all because she's never done that. For example, Taylor Swift did that with a lot of her recent albums and they were very fairly priced. It was like $15, which is a very good price for an autographed Avril album. I guess I wasn't ever imagining that she would do it just because she hasn't done it before. And because again, they'd have to offer kind of a lot of them and that would be a lot for her to have to sign and stuff. So to me, it feels like sort of like a thank you to the fans because it is her 20th anniversary in music. I feel like that could be part of the reason why she decided to offer them. But also because again, it racks up the physical CD sales and stuff. But I like to think of it as like, a thank you from her to the fans for kind of sticking with her this long. And again, to be able to have that in my Avril collection is really, really cool. And I'm really happy and grateful that I was able to get one. And I'm really sorry for the people who weren't able to get one. I hope that eventually they will put up more, but we'll have to see, I guess. The next thing that I would like to talk about is the Skater Boy movie, because Avril has kind of talked about it a couple of times recently. So I think I touched upon it briefly in our last episode, but I'll kind of like talk more in depth about it here with what we know so far. So basically, a little while ago, in in an interview, Avril mentioned that she was going to be making Skater Boy into a movie. What's interesting is that back in 2003, Paramount Pictures had sort of plans to turn Skater Boy into a movie, and then something about it fell through and it never happened. So I think it's really interesting that now, like 20 years later, Avril has decided that she wants to make Skater Boy into a movie. I think that she probably got inspired because Modson makes movies and he's a director. He directed the acoustic music video for Bite Me and stuff. And he did Downfall Highs for Machine Gun Kelly. He's directed a bunch of other music videos and stuff. So he has directing experience and he's done some other kind of movie that I can't remember the name of right now, but it's an actual movie that's going to be coming out also with Machine Gun Kelly. So I think that that's probably where Avril got the idea is probably from him to start making movies and stuff like that. I feel like he's for sure helping her with like the production side of it. So what we know so far about it is that she said she wants to turn Skater Boy into a movie. And at first I thought it was going to be sort of like a Taylor Swift all too well 10 minute short film kind of deal where it's like not really a movie. It's more like a short film with the song playing over it and then it would be released to YouTube or something like that. And that's kind of it. But what she has said about it more recently to me sounds like it could be like an actual feature full-length movie. I don't think it'll be released in theaters because a lot of movies nowadays get put on streaming. I feel like if she's under the Warner Music Group, it's possible it could be like an HBO Max exclusive or something like that. Possibly it could go on YouTube or something. But she talked very recently in an interview about how she was meeting with different production companies and writing up a treatment for it, presenting like her storyboards and ideas for it and trying to find a production company that seems like the right fit. And then they're going to find a director and write the script and start filming and all of that. So it sounds like right now it's in the pre-production process, like they haven't even begun the writing or filming or anything like that. A lot of people were thinking that it would be ready to coincide with the 20th anniversary of Let Go. Doesn't sound like that will happen. She, because it takes a long time to film movies and stuff. So she would have had to start filming it like a year ago for it to be ready this year, I think. 
But regardless of when it comes out, I'm really curious to see it. I think it's a really cool idea. I'm a little apprehensive about it because only because of the fact that it's 20 years after the song came out, which I think is fine for like from a nostalgia perspective and like the fact that it is her 20th year in music and she's trying to clearly do a lot of stuff to celebrate that. But I think just because a lot of people are concerned about how will this age in today's world? The whole trope about like these star-crossed lovers and, you know, the skater boy and all that was very of its time in 2002. But now in the 2020s, I just don't know if it really ages well in today's world. So I feel like they'd have to really kind of like update it. Like I think they could still keep the, the whole concept of like a skater boy and like a preppy girl and stuff. But like I said, that was like such a stereotype back then that doesn't really exist now. And so I feel like they really have to be careful with how they play it and how they present it to still kind of like make sense in the society that we live in today where we're a lot more conscientious of stereotyping people. And I guess like some people kind of find the song to be like anti-feminist in a way. And so I guess they just have to be really careful with how they play it for it to fit in today's world. So I'm just really more curious than anything to see how it comes out. And I hope that it comes out really well and not like, oh, this would have been better 20 years ago. But regardless, I'm really happy to see Avril taking big steps like this and kind of branching out and thinking outside of the box because I feel like for so long, she's kind of been stuck creatively. And so to see her thinking about music in new ways and sort of trying to use different avenues to create projects, I think is just really refreshing to see. So that brings me to my last point, which is just my overall thoughts on all the content that we've been getting so far this era, how I think the era is going, the way that Avril seems to be right now. And I've kind of touched on this before with some of my other episodes, but I just kind of wanted to reiterate it here. So I think that the era started a little bit messy, like all of 2021, when she kept giving us different timeframes about when we could expect music. But now that we know that she didn't have a label at the time and she was kind of trying to find one, I think that that's the source of where all this confusion came from, where she was probably just operating based on what she knew at the time. She was trying to find a new management, a new label. And so I think once she had all that sorted out and once she announced that she signed with DTA, it was like the ball got rolling and everything from there has been smooth sailing. Once the release of Bite Me happened, it seems like everything has been going really, really well and really smoothly, which has not really been the case with the last few albums. Like she kept having label problems and they would like delay her album because they wanted like a different type of music on it and all that. And I think that you can see how much it really affected Avril and her attitude about her career. And it just really showed that, you know, she was not passionate anymore about music. And I don't think we can really blame her because she was being told constantly how to run her own career and like what kind of music to make. And it was so the opposite of what she wanted to be doing. So I don't think we can really blame her for sort of like when she would perform or do interviews, she just seemed like so like she would rather be anywhere else. Like she didn't care and she could not be like less enthusiastic about the whole thing. Contrast that with this era it's like night and day, the difference in like how she is, like her entire like aura and essence is so completely different than what it was even like an album or two ago. I definitely think that DTA is the perfect fit for her like record label wise. She has talked many times about the passion that she feels being around people like Travis Barker and Matson and John Feldman, MGK, Youngblood, like all these people that are in her circle that are part of her world that get her musically and that they're just letting her do her thing. And I think that's all she's wanted. Like she's kept saying over and over again that this is the record that she's wanted to make for a really long time. And I think that you can really see that. You can see that it's like a return to her roots. It's the kind of music that she grew up listening to that 
that she has always wanted to make. She's working with people that she's admired, like Travis Barker and Mark Hoppus, like these people that she herself grew up listening to and now to be peers with them. And with it being her 20th anniversary in music, I think that she, you can just tell that she feels like home again. Like she feels like this is where she belongs. She's found her niche. I think that for a long time, because she was told by record labels that, you know, nobody wants to hear electric guitars and drums anymore. Nobody wants to hear this kind of music anymore. I think that she didn't know what her musical identity was anymore. She didn't know where she fit in in the pop music landscape anymore, especially with new artists coming out like Taylor Swift, Adele, Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, all those people. It was like she didn't know where she fit in. And she was like, trying to fit in by making songs like what the hell and here's never growing up and rock and roll but they just didn't really land they didn't really stick the fans could kind of tell it was a little bit disingenuous on her part i think she could feel that and i think for a long time like i said she was just creatively stuck and she was sort of in this box she didn't know how to adapt for today's modern musical landscape and now with the resurgence of pop punk with like olivia rodrigo youngblood modson MGK, all these artists coming out. And there is now like an appreciation for this kind of music again. I think that Avril has found her footing again. And the outfits have been really on point. Like it's so much her style with like the plaid skirts and the combat boots and all that. It's so much her style, but sort of like a little bit elevated. And I can appreciate that the music that she's done so far, we've only heard two songs, but it's pop punk music. It's very her, like very Avril sounding, but the production is not dated, which I think a lot of us were worried that the production was going to sound a little of its time. But having John Feldman at the helm of it all, I think was absolutely the right choice. Like he has helped her modernize her sound. And I think that that has made all the difference as well. The way that she is in interviews, we know that she has always hated doing interviews for some reason. She's really shy. I guess she doesn't like kind of being put on the spot. And sometimes interviewers ask weird questions. But it, it seems like she's really like genuinely enjoyed doing interviews, especially with people that she's known for a long time. She's really passionate about what she's talking about. She's really talkative. She's really likable. She seems genuinely excited and passionate for like what's to come. And we haven't honestly seen her like that probably since the Best Damn Thing era. So I can just say from the perspective of somebody who's been a fan of hers literally since the beginning of her career and has really like followed her closely for at least a decade or more, you know, for somebody who's stuck with her through, you know, the good eras, but also through the bad eras, I feel like this is the era that Avril and her fans have been wanting for a really long time. And a lot of the problems that she had in her career for the last several years with like poor management controlling labels, these pop hits that she didn't really want to be making. I feel like she saw those issues as well and she worked to rectify them and get a new team around her. And like I said, getting this fresh energy around her with people who actually get her, who understand her, who want her to be who she is has absolutely made all the difference. So I'm really excited about everything that's to come. Even if I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's a good album, but not my favorite, whatever. I won't really care that much. I'm just glad that she seems like she's in a good place and that like this is the Avril that we all fell in love with. And we weren't sure if we were ever going to see her again. And I'm really happy that everything just seems to be adding up, like all the stars are aligning right now with it being her 20th year in music. And she seems like she's getting the recognition and the appreciation that she has frankly always deserved, but never really got. All these younger artists who say that she's like an inspiration to them, all these younger kids like discovering her music, the 20th anniversary of her career with the Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame, the Skater Boy movie. It's just a lot of really exciting things to come that are celebrating who Avril Lavigne is and the fact that she is an iconic artist. Like her fans have always known that she is an icon, but now people are finally starting to recognize that.
So I think it's just a really exciting time to be a fan. Like this is the reward for all of us who stuck by through the difficult eras that, you know, were underwhelming. This is like our time now as fans and it's really exciting. So I'm just really happy and excited for Avril and really excited to see what's to come from her this year. And of course, I'm really excited to hear the album, which comes out on February 25th. So I think that concludes this edition of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed this episode, tune in next time where I'll be diving back into our usual format with a special episode you won't want to miss. Join me again next time on the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast. The Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by Andre DeFrancesco. Theme music is HD and Lights by J. Powell Flicks. Follow the latest podcast news on Instagram at Best Damn Avril Pod or email Best Damn Avril Pod at yahoo.com.